Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we work with growing companies, especially manufacturers, to improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me today is Dr. Angela Mulrooney. Dr. Mulrooney is a retired dentist turned personal branding expert. Now you may ask, how did that happen? She had built a referral-based niche dental practice that allowed her to do the dentistry that she loved on clients she loved while earning more and working less. She had it all until she didn't. Overnight, she lost everything after sustaining a career-ending injury that killed her ability to drill. She was sent spiraling, unsecure of what the future held, and she had two options. A, she could keep her practice even though she would not be able to drill again, or B, she could sell her practice and find a new path. Angela chose B, and that is going to be kind of the focus of our conversation. In choosing B, Angela took to LinkedIn, and she started speaking about niching and branding. And in only a year, she went from 200 industry followers to over 12,000, and that number's grown since. Her rise on LinkedIn drew attention from other professionals, and she started being asked to coach professionals in a wide variety of industries on how to create personal brands on LinkedIn. So we're going to be talking about personal brands, but we're going to start by just getting to know Angela better. Welcome, Angela. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Andrew, we are recording this. I'm speaking to you from the United States. I'm in Georgia, and you um, are not. This will be my first uh, podcast recording uh, out of Central America. You are where? I'm in San Juan del Sur in Nicaragua. What kind of amazes me now, you are by, are you by birth Canadian? I am, yes. I did pick up a few of those uh, accents on that, but what you have done is you have made this switch, I describe it as a pivot, to be able to do what you do for hundreds, if not thousands, of clients all over the world. Why don't we just kind of pick up on that, that story? Because what you've already shared right before we hit the record button is not only have you done this, you've also have, have kind of incorporated some other things I'd like to kind of get into. So can we just pick up when you learned with this injury that you're going to have to do something different? How did you come about where you are now? What was that? road like? It was challenging. Um, honestly, when they told me that, you know, you need to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life because you're not no longer going to be able to be a dentist. I was kind of heartbroken because I had wanted to be a dentist since I was two and I was 32 when it happened. So this mm. massive dream just suddenly caught fire and burned to the ground around me. And I didn't have a backup plan. Dentistry was my thing. And so I talked to other professionals. And I'm like, well, I can't drill anymore. I've built this brand in the in, in my city, in, within the dental industry as well. And should I just sell it or should I try to keep it? And everyone was like, you, you know, you've got this thing already. Just keep running it. Get associates in. They can work in your place. And that would have worked really well if it was just a very basic practice. But my practice was highly specialized. Like I mm. catered to people who were terrified of the dentist, which was a referral based part of my practice because most dentists do not want to deal with people who are scared because it takes a lot of time. You have to nurture them. You have to be very kind and gentle and very, um, very intentional with how you approach them so that 
it's like dealing with feral cats, you know, you have to get them to trust you. And then eventually they become a great patient, but you have to invest a lot in them. So trying to get associates in who weren't invested in my practice, trying to play that role didn't work very well. So I had to really change my brand back to what I'd originally bought was, which was a basic bread and butter practice. So I hung on to that listening to everyone else for two and a half years. And then in 2015, I was in Calgary. That's where my practice was. The oil crisis happened. Mm. And suddenly I saw the economy go. And I had been through the global financial crisis when I first bought the practice. And this was happening so much faster and harder in our city than what happened when I first bought the practice. So I said, you know what? I, I'm, I need to tap out on this. This isn't working for me. My heart is broken every time I go into the practice. So I decided to fire sell a practice, sold it for half of its value and mm. got out. And everyone's reaction was, you're insane. Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, this is not going to go well. If I don't get out now, the value of my practice is going to go down anyway. And I'm going to get pulled down with it. And really, Calgary hasn't recovered since 2015 with the economic crisis that we went through with oil and gas. So my instinct was correct. So I decided, well, I kind of need a break from dentistry because if I run into my colleagues, they're looking at me with pity because they know what I've been through. My patients have pity because they feel sorry. And they're also sad that I don't get to work with them. So I was like, I'm just going to take a step back. And I went back to my other profession that I had developed since I'd become a dentist, which was dancing. So I went back to being a professional dancer, spent a year building out Unleashed Dance Company, which was named after being unleashed from my dental career unexpectedly. <laughs> and in six months, I became the second largest adult-based uh, land dance company in my city. So it grew by leaps and bounds because people had known me. They had seen me on the stage. They had seen me guest teach and guest choreograph. So it was an easy switch for me. So I took that year away. I don't let all the pieces settle as to what had happened. Because I, when I bought the practice, the owner died. His son tried to sell it out from underneath me. I went through a lawsuit in the first year. I lost my career. So I went through all these weird experiences that a dentist might go through one of these as a business owner. And I've been through pretty much the whole gamut of anything that could go wrong. Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try and take these harsh lessons that I've learned and find a silver lining to it. So I decided to build Unleashing Dentistry's Potential, a business coaching company for dentists. And I didn't really want to spend a whole bunch of money on marketing. I was like, I'm just going to see if I can organically do this. So I took to LinkedIn, started talking about what I knew about dentistry and branding and niching. And as you mentioned in the opening, I went from 200 to 12,000 industry followers in a year. And then people were like, oh, can you do that for me? Because you came out of nowhere. Like you were a dentist, you were known in your community, but the broader um, dental community didn't know who you were across North America and suddenly everyone knows who you are. So I was like, well, you know, this might've been a unicorn situation or maybe it's replicatable. So I dabbled with a few colleagues accounts and saw if I could actually grow them, get them to stand out and be able to get the recognition that they deserved and it worked. So six months after I started dabbling, I opened Unleashing Influence, which was January 2020 on the 17th. And then March 17th, 2020, exactly two months later, uh, Canada got shut down and so did the rest of the world. And my team that I had at that point, I had two and a half full-time team members. And they said, you know what? Everyone else is getting laid off. If you need to lay us off, it's totally okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, mm, 
let's buckle down and see what we can do with this. So by 10 months into the pandemic, we had gone from two and a half to 14 full-time team members. The company grew exponentially because people needed personal branding services. They couldn't speak on the stage. They couldn't go to coffees. They couldn't go to networking events. They needed to find a way to get the word out there about what they were doing to fill their pipeline. So I kind of got lucky. I bet on the right horse. And then I decided to move to Nicaragua in January of 2021 because I did not want to see snowflakes anymore. And I got here and I had already sold off my dance company, but I still had the dental company and the marketing agency. And a few months into being here, I was like, I'm sitting in paradise, but I'm working 100 hours a week staring at a white wall. What am mm -hmm. I doing? So I decided it was time to divest and just figure out what I really wanted to contribute to the world. Because the previous eight years, really, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing with a drill in my hand. And so I was throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping something stick, building brands around each of my unique talents. But it was time for things to change. So I sold off Unleashing Dentistry's potential. I sold off the agency part of Unleashing Influence and fully niched into my mastery, which is helping people to pivot using their personal brands through LinkedIn to go from where they are right now to building an endeavor that is actually going to help them to leave their mark on the world and change the world with what they know. The story that you just kind of unpacked so eloquently, uh, it, it's inspiring in so many different ways. And we're not going to have time probably to go down all of those paths. <laughs> but one thing I will point out to you is I have seen uh, you online. Matter of fact, we met initially on LinkedIn. And I've watched some of your presentations. And an example of this is how you tell this story and how you help with personal brands, but you incorporate your love for dance into that presentation. And uh, it's very, very powerful. So I'm gonna encourage our listeners to go and, and look at those because it tells a story in a way that um, adds so much more dimension to telling a story. You know, we're talking about personal branding here. That's kind of the thrust. And you have changed from, you've made a number of changes. And I know that we have listeners who are contemplating the same. And we know we hear this term personal brand. When you begin working with a client on that, how do you convey to them what a personal brand is and why it's important? Well, anything that you're putting out there really is your personal brand. So whether you're paying attention to it or not, you have a personal brand. It's what people perceive you to be. And it was funny, I had a conversation with someone who was definitely building her personal brand on LinkedIn recently. And she's like, if you read my profile, you'd realize I'm not into personal branding. And I'm like, um, okay, <laughs> yes, you actually are, but you know what, you call it, call it whatever you like. Um, but when we're trying to make a difference in the world, if we're trying to sell a product, we're trying to sell a service, people want to know the person behind the brand. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to see this perfect execution of logo, perfect photos, perfect videos. They actually want to know the essence of the people behind it. They want to know what your value system is. They want to know if you are if you stand for social justice. They want to know that you're going for more than just hoarding all this money for yourself. Or are you actually trying to change the world in a positive way beyond your company? So people are looking to see who they're actually handing their money over to. And if they have a choice between two different people and one is not aligned with their values, and it's a very similar service to one that is aligned with their values, 
they're picking the one that's aligned with their values because we have more of a social consciousness right now. We want to support the people that are doing good things. This is where the Me Too movements have come into play. You know, if someone's done something bad, we don't really want to support them. And so it's important to showcase who we are. And it's not throwing it in their face as to how amazing we are. It's organically threading through our values, organically showing our personality, organically showing how we show up in the world. And that's what allows people to be attracted to us. And a lot of people still hide behind that facade of perfection because, you know, if someone doesn't like this facade, not that big of a deal. But if they don't actually like the essence of you, it hurts a little bit more if you get a little bit of hate mail, which is going to happen if you're putting yourself out there. You're going to polarize your audience. You're going to have people who love you. You're going to have people who hate you. And that is okay, because then you're probably being true to who you are. So that's when you know you're actually doing something right, is when you have those lovers and you have those haters. You know, you caught my attention when you said that originally you created a niche dental practice, and one of the niches was to uh, be there for patients who are just definitely afraid of dentists. You had a sensitivity to that, and you surrounded yourself with with folks who kind of understood it. It sounds to me is that from an early point, you understood that you you have something unique and you're advising your clients on how you can convey that uniqueness as part of an authentic personal brand. We hear that batted around. If you have a LinkedIn profile, you have a personal brand. Mm-hmm. So I know you work with people in all kinds of industries. But if they're coming to you for help on strengthening a personal brand, what do you find consistently is the thing that we're all doing wrong? We're all trying to use every crayon in our box. So we have all these different talents, which I call your crayons. And, you know, you're like, but I got all these things. And so I want to show this to everyone. And if you show too many things to the world, they they don't get you, Mm. right? Like when I started my LinkedIn, I had my professional dance company. I had my business coaching company for dentists. And then I brought in Unleashing Influence. And people were like, I actually had my first coach say, I don't want to coach you because I think you're a flake. There's Mm. no way you are competing internationally as a professional dancer, running your dance company, being an amazing business coach and running your social media company at a high level, right? Once he did some digging into me, he realized that I can work a ton of hours and put a whole bunch of effort in and be able to run a bunch of things. But for most people, that is not even fathomable that you can be masterful at multiple things. So we do have to think, yes, we wanna put ourselves out there authentically, but we also need to think about how people can actually absorb the information that we're putting out there. And when you have the ability to take all these different talents and find a way to find a congruency between them so that it makes sense, this bundle of knowledge that you're putting out there has this through line to it. It has this um, easy to understand packaging around it. So people go, oh, I get what that is. That's where you win. But most people, you look at their content and it may all look the same, but when you listen to it, you go, I don't really get what this person stands for because Mm -hmm. there isn't a through line. They haven't picked the North star that everything is pointing towards. So they've got all these little things that they're putting out there because they're talented in lots of different ways. But to the audience, they go, I don't know if you can really help me. And people are looking for people who are masterful in what they do, not jack of all trades. 
So you want to pick, even if you are a good jack of all trades, you want to take all those trades, put them into a package that is niche, that shows your mastery in something and make sure that your content supports that and it's congruent across everything that you're doing. This may be an unfair question, but I'm envisioning that big box of Crayola crayons. I think there's 64 in those. Yeah, the one with the multiple tiers in it. Yes, and, and we love breaking them open, particularly at the beginning of, of school. And your guidance to us is you need to put that box aside and you need to have a much, much smaller box. Uh, yeah. There's a box that I know that you open it up, and I think it has maybe six or eight crayons. Um, you're advising us to be ruthless in, in winnowing that down and look for those, those things. Is there kind of a rule of thumb that you kind of follow? And that is, the, you mentioned the themes or, or the like. If, if 64 is too many, what is the number that you're trying to get your clients to? I would like you to have one main topic and three subtopics that you talk about. Mm. So what I often have people to do is have a board that they put up and write down the three things you are willing to do only exclusively for the next five years. So what are those subject matters that you would be happy to serve your clients with or the products that you'd be happy to serve your clients with that you can focus in on for five years and not get bored. And the boredom thing is a lot of times why people try to bring in all these things. Cause like, well, if I just focus on this one thing or these three things, then I am, I'm not going to be interested. The thing is when you focus on those things, what happens is yes, you've narrowed your scope, but you're able to go so much deeper into the knowledge so that you can become masterful at it. And if you can really narrow it down to one main, one main thing that you do, with three kind of subcategories of what you do, that's where you're, you are easy to understand to the market and your ability to understand what you're doing at such a high level that no one else can compete with is so much different than if you're, again, trying to spread it across too many different things. This is interesting. Um, I, I know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who struggle with this issue. And you've said that probably the number one thing they do is they come to you with a box of 64 crayons and you basically, you're saying no. Um, what else do you find that uh, is part of the baggage that they bring to you when you begin working with clients? Well, there's fear to pivot. Hmm. If you have been, like a lot of people who come to me, um, I actually have quite a large population of people who are 55 plus that come to me to go through a pivot. They've given the pound of flesh to their industry. They are masterful at their industry, but they're kind of restricted by a corporate company that they're working for. So they want to be able to take their knowledge, pivot, create an offering that makes sense, that allows them to leave their legacy in the world and be able to carry that forward. But when you've had the safety of working for someone else, even if you're in like a C-suite position where you are vulnerable, something goes wrong, it's your head on the chopping block. That's still very different than it all being on you. And you pivot, you might embarrass yourself if you don't make it in the first time you pivot, right? You may not have done it properly. You may have tried to go out on your own. You've built all these amazing products and programs and nobody's buying it. That's what often happens because you're highly successful in corporate. Why wouldn't you be highly successful as an entrepreneur? It's a completely different game. So some people get a little bit too brazen and then some people get a little bit too timid because they have this amazing reputation and they don't want to tarnish it. So those are the kind of people that come to me that go, you know what, I want you to show me how to not screw this up. 
I want to be able to do this well, make sure that every effort that I'm putting in is intentional and is giving me an output that is going to get me to where I want to go as fast as I can and as gracefully as I can. I love the way the theme of fear has worked its way into this conversation. We started by you created a niche working with patients who have just a fear of dentists. And now you're sharing examples by which you're working, particularly uh, those 55 and older who have this fear of doing something new. Uh, entrepreneurship, it, it sounds great. It sounds liberating, but it's a lot of work. Speaking from firsthand experience, it's a lot of work. And if you spent most of your career in a corporate role, you've got all those trappings that you've got to kind of unpack. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very interesting. When you are working with clients and you're helping them kind of build their personal brand, you said that one of the challenges that people have is their willingness to pivot. What mm -hmm. have you found works best when you're working with a reluctant client to make that pivot? What works? If they're reluctant, I'm, I'm probably going to tell them to go do some soul searching and come back when they're ready, because I'm not going to force you to jump off the cliff. You have to be willing to jump off the cliff because it's not fair if I push you. You are going to put up roadblock after roadblock to your success. Your mind isn't right and you will fail if you're not ready. Um, to be honest, the price point of how I work with people in a mastermind, people have to be ready to go all in because they're making an investment. Time-wise, they're spending three hours a week with me. They're making a good financial investment. They're learning systems. They're going to be able to implement this and they have to be able to put in the time as we go to execute on the steps that they're learning so that by the end of 90 days, they've got a business built out. They've got all the systems automated. They've got everything that they need. But if you're not, if you're in a place where you're like, I can't afford three hours a week. I can't afford that price point. I am not really willing to put in the effort to make this work. Well, then we're not ready to work together. So mm -hmm. I may tell you to go read a book. I may tell you to take a mindset course. There's a few tips and tricks that I will give you to help you to get to the right place. And oftentimes people who are not ready, you know, in six months, 12 months, they'll come back to me and go, okay, I tried it on my own or I reverted back to where I was where I was and I'm exactly where I was and I'm more unhappy. Now I'm ready to actually make the move. Um, I'm totally okay with that. I do not work with anyone who's not ready to do the work because it will be a massive waste of my time. It'll be a massive waste of everyone else's time who's in the mastermind as well. Because if you've got someone reluctant, they're going to grab the reins of everyone else and pull them back with them. You know, you and I just use the term mastermind and we know what that means. But for our listeners who don't, describe a mastermind as you conduct mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. So my mastermind could also be considered an accelerator or an intensive. And what I'm doing is taking people who are on the same page, taking them through a system of how to go through their pivot, how to develop their personal brand, how to develop the business, the sales skills, and the offering in a concentrated period of time. And the nice thing is in the group, I'm very selective about who is in it. So if someone isn't the right chemistry for this one, I think they're going to be the right chemistry for the next one, mm -hmm. then I will push them towards that. But I want people who are the same caliber in their profession, the same motivation, so that we get into these groups and we have discussions and people are additive. They're asking questions from different dimensions because they see the world differently. And so you get to hear other high caliber people looking at their problem and maybe they're seeing, they're going to tell you about something that is going to be coming up for you 
down the road that you hadn't even thought about. Maybe there's this big bump that you need to be paying attention to. So the beauty is, yes, you have the expert at the head of it leading the mastermind, but you also have other people who are participating. So you're not just sitting there watching a do-it-yourself program and going, okay, I think I, I think I can execute on this. You actually have that handholding. You also have those other people who are going through the same process with you that you get to network with develop friendships with because you're going through the same struggles as well through the pivot um, and you really develop friends for life with it. Is your program, at least the program we're describing, is that uh, typically a 90-day program? Yes, that one is 90 days and then people can join um, what is called the Badass Entrepreneurs membership. So if you've been through the program and you know, once you finish the program, you're ready to launch, but there's things that are going to happen after that, that you need education on. So you continue to get sales trained. You continue to get um, eyes on what the product is that you're doing. You learn lots of different things along the way when you join the Badass Entrepreneurs membership. Got you. you know, Andrew, you've given us actually several examples, personal examples where you got stuck and how you got unstuck by pivoting to something new. Um, can you think of maybe other examples, maybe where a client or somebody else got stuck and what did it take for them to get unstuck? Well, what often happens is people come to me because they are stuck and sometimes they just need permission hmm. to light the match and burn down what's not working in their world. Hmm. But they're so afraid to own that because if something goes wrong, then they're like, well, I totally messed up by doing that. But if someone else can look objectively at that situation and say, from what you're telling me and looking at your body language and your face when you talk about this, you are miserable. But when you talk about this, you light up. So do you want to stay in this misery and continue to age yourself uh, mentally and physically and emotionally? Or do you want to move to something that's actually going to give you joy? And let's find a way to actually make that happen for you. Because oftentimes misery has a good paycheck attached to it. Mm. But if you're doing something that makes you happy and you build the things out to properly support that pivot and that endeavor that you want to go after, when you're happy doing something, you can take that to the moon compared to when you're miserable in something else. Yeah, I imagine you probably enjoy helping light those fires. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, for those who are watching, uh, you can see that her, your eyes just kind of light up when you begin describing um, when those light bulbs do go off when they made themselves light that which they knew they had to do to move on to the next phase. Mm -hmm. um, you took a entrepreneurial approach. You are doing a number of things and you have purposely kind of niched what you're doing now so that you can go much, much deeper on a yes. personal level. Is this speaking to you? Yeah. It's kind of crazy because when I finally divested the last thing, which was the end of September 2021, the day that the deal was done, it was like I had wings. Um, I hadn't realized how much stress I'd been carrying with me by trying to have all these different businesses and doing things that I was like, well, I built this and it's making money for me, but it's also weighing on me. And so when I freed myself to just do what I do best, honestly, three months later, my income had tripled hmm. per month. Um, the clients that I wanted much higher caliber started showing up and they were asking for what I was doing. They weren't trying to get me to sell them. They already knew what they wanted. And 
it was easier to say no to the things that weren't working for me because I could see if I keep saying yes to my three yeses that I've written on my board, the three things I'm allowed to do for the next five years, I keep getting more and more of those right people. And if I say no to these things, I go for a walk at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I did good saying no to that because it wasn't aligned with me. And it's easy to be like, oh, but I could use the extra money. And so you say yes to something that you really should have said no to, but then it starts taking up space in your life that is dragging you down. And it's also taking away from the time that you could be putting into those things that you really want to do. And when you're leaning into what you really want to do, seriously, it changes your life. It changes your income. It changes your feeling about the work that you're doing. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like play. You describe leaning into what you want to do. I literally have been kind of leaning into this conversation. I have been leaning in, just kind of soaking all this up. As you kind of reflect on what we've discussed, and we've covered a lot in our time together, what do you want to be the takeaways for our listeners? Trust your gut. Hmm. You know, when you have those icks about what you're doing, your body knows whether you consider that's a sign from source or God, or it's just your physical intuition, your body knows what is happening. So if you can follow the things that make you feel good and say no to the things that give you that ick, you're going to get on the right path so much faster. And it's great to get external information. If you're in a dire situation, like where I was, where I lost my career and I'm like, I don't know what I should be doing right now. Yes. Seek those outside sources, but don't take what they're saying is gospel. Mm. Weigh in with yourself because you know what's right for you. They can give you some insight based on what they've seen before, but it may not be completely aligned with the energy of what you're actually trying to do to make a difference in the world. So pay attention, most importantly, to you and what your body is saying. Angela, if folks have been listening, they say, gosh, I, I want to learn more. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you? I would honestly find me on LinkedIn. It's under Dr. Angela Mulroney. I have a great community that you get my content at an accelerated pace. Um, and you can also hop on a phone call with me through that. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, okay, I'm at the point where I, I have some deciding to make, the community is probably the best place for you because you're gonna get lots of things to think about and munch on that are gonna help you to either decide to stay where you are or start looking at how you're gonna pivot. And hopefully I can be part of that journey with you. I love the expression, think about and munch on. We will include links to uh, your LinkedIn profile, your website, and perhaps some other things in the show notes. So for those um, who didn't want to write down Dr. Angela Mulrooney, know that that will be included in the show notes. Angela, thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been a great conversation. Thanks, Mike. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. So if you've enjoyed this episode with Angela, like I did, please subscribe. Are you trying to grow your business and you want to make sure you've got the right people, process, and planning systems in place to grow smoothly? If yes, let's talk. Head over to unstuck.show and schedule a quick non-sales call. We'll talk about your growth goals and explore practical steps that you can take now to make sure that that growth happens. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Angela that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time. <music>